Get him. Welcome, folks. Y'all come on in and make yourself at home. This here, well, this is the Rolling Thunder Podcast. Your home for all things Rolling Thunder. This episode of the Rolling Thunder Podcast is presented by Mossy Oak Camouflage because everything is better in Bottomland. And Lucky Duck Premium Decoys, Masters of Deception. Welcome to another episode of the Rolling Thunder Podcast. We are westbound on 40 right now. Westbound and down. Westbound and down. We got the Black Betty 2 rolling along. Yeah. Connected to Wi-Fi and everything. <laughs> Connected to it's Wi-Fi, like yeah. Traveling office. That. So when Spence decided he, that he was going to get a new truck, one of the things we, we were talking about, he said, "Yeah, it's going to have Wi-Fi. And it's going to have the whole." I mean, what what a jump into like the space age. Yeah. And Black Betty was technologically advanced for 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 its day, but this is like, what's it like to go from, like, did, did Betty have heated seats? Yeah, but they were. Burned out. Burned though. out. So what's what's it like to go from no heated seats, no Wi-Fi, nothing, to now you got Wi-Fi and a heated steering wheel? Like that's was it a Kardashian that said that's hot? That's hot. <laughs> I bet you didn't know I knew that much pop culture, did you, Rob? That's about the extent of my knowledge of pop culture. Too. I mean, mine too. <laughs> so, but I also don't have teenage daughters and the whole deal. So I do. I I do have teenage daughters, but I don't think they know who the Kardashians are. Good for and them. I'm proud of that. Good for them. So, anyway, so we're headed to to a shoot here, but um, yeah, crazy. We've kind of been burning the road up, doing media stuff more than we have hunting. (laughs) Not for long, but man, it that it has been wild. We last last week we were in North Carolina, Virginia. Um, If y'all haven't listened to the episode with Skip Valentine, definitely need to. He's a great guy. Had a lot of fun up there. Yep. Um, I thought I was scattered. And to nine oh, corners yeah. of the earth, but I met my match. <laughs> you did. It was weird. It was like the, I don't know, if you've seen the Spider-Man, the meme where it's like Spider-Man's pointing at Spider-Man. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like, you, you. It was like, it was like seeing you pointing at yourself, and it was mm. like, how about that? But they, but it was fun. and we There were some eerie similarities. There, there, there were. <laughs> Skip's um, a pretty good dude. He's got some amazing real estate, man. Beautiful properties, and man, the courage um, to take on some of those the the road building that they did through some mm-hmm. of those swamps, mm-hmm. like in a week, build like a two mile road. Yeah, you're like, unbelievable. God. Yeah, but um, so we got this, and then, gosh, what is there's 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 nothing big happening next week, is there? You're not uh, you're not doing anything next week. I hope I'm going to Canada, but I mean. Yeah, a little anxious about that, pal. We're gonna mm. with the current quarter current border situation. You have to get a uh, a PCR or a molecular level test to cross the border, and getting the results from those back within 24 hours is basically unheard of. I mean, there's you have to get it. It's not unheard of. That's not that's an exaggeration. But it's very there are very few places that can do that. You got to get tested where the lab is. Yeah. So, shout out to Popper the, Health. 
Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah. No, easy, easy, easy. We don't, it's like giving up oh, okay. secrets, you know, like we don't, we don't want to tell everybody where That's you got to That's fine. I'll, I'll just bleep it out. <laughs> That's all right. So no one will know. Um, no, we're, we're – so it takes – where we like to go takes about 34, 35 hours. Um, with, that includes some stops. Mm. So um, – if you drove it straight through, it'd be like 26 or 27 hours, I think. Yeah. And so we've got, by the time you do all those stops, you know, that's another 10 to 12 hours. Uh, you know, by the time you fuel up and get food and just all the stuff yeah. that it takes to get up there. Um, so if you allow 36 hours, you've got a very margin, a very small margin of, of error, a very small window of time when you can get tested and still get your test results back before you cross the border and be within the 72-hour window because your test results can't be older than 72 hours. Huh. So. That is a good thing. And so it, it is that weird window where you both have to have them and then they can't be too old. Right, right. So. It's like passing the CPA. Yeah, and, and the, <laughs> yeah, just too, exactly like passing too, the CPA, Rob. Too exactly. soon. <laughs> uh, oh. But the. We're trying to figure out right now those places that have the lab there. They want you to. They basically want everybody to show up at the beginning of the day. So right, I mean, when they open, they kind of want a surge of folks, and then and then go about their day. Yeah. And and so I don't know if we're going to be able to get it Monday afternoon because they want everybody to be there first thing in the morning, or if we're going to have to go Tuesday morning and then hit the road. If you go, if we get tested Tuesday morning and we hit the road at let's say noon and then we try to cross the, the borders right at 24 hours of drive away 22 and a half 20 between 22 and a half and 24 well if we hit the road and we don't have our test results back yeah then we're going to just be sitting at the border just waiting on them and there'll be four people in the truck they so, got wi-fi to wait you know that's true that's <laughs> true I'm, yeah that's true I, I won't dispute that but before people in the truck who have put the 40, 24 hours in to get to the border. Nobody knows what their test results are. And and you're just hoping that you get your test result back before you have to cross, before you, know, you get to the border patrol. Otherwise, you're just sitting there. So I'm a little bit anxious. Yeah, I get that. I was a little anxious when the, when the election was happening. I didn't know if whoever won up there yeah. was just going to, like, change the stance on the border right away. Uh-huh. I was a little nervous about that yesterday when I heard that Trudeau, Trudeau pulled it off. Yeah, because I, <clears throat> I don't stay too up on Canadian politics, but I just wasn't sure if, like, once he now had, like, security and not losing his, his yeah. position, I didn't know if he'd be like, and border closed. Yeah, for sure. So, I don't know. It doesn't look like that's going to happen. But fingers, I hope so. They need crossed. to give us another six days. Man, I can't wait. I'm I, I am very very excited. First first trip up there. I have I've, no expectations. What, is Kansas is about as far away from home as you've been waterfowl hunting? De- yeah, definitely. You've been to Canada, right? You've got a sister-in-law that lives in yeah, Canada. Yeah. Yep, she lived there until till very this year actually. They That's moved right. back down this That's way, right. but um yeah, I had I had been to British Columbia two two or three times. And you want to talk about some some ducks and geese? They got them. Northwest Washington. Nice. Whoa. 
I mean, a ton of birds. Yeah. And this was like March, right? So they're moving, they're migrating back up. But that whole area, mm. British Columbia, they've got a lot of birds up there too. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so that Kansas is definitely the furthest I've gone to hunt birds nice. so far. Well, this will be fun. Man, it will. This will be really fun, assuming that we can all get in. So we'll see. I, the odds are not in our favor. <laughs> you know, Don't say we've that. We've got enough people. <laughs> the odds are not in our favor. Somebody is – I feel like somebody's going to be a hiccup. Oh. I'm just hoping it's not the whole group. I'm hoping it's – I'm hoping it's nobody. But Yeah, 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 I'm yeah. just saying that, you know, nobody no. bats a 1,000 in the major leagues. <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh, gosh. We'll see. We'll see. I've batted well, I'm, a, I'm hopeful. I mean, I'm – I've batted a 1,000 in previous years. I mean, it's okay. We, You know <laughs> – I've only had somebody turn it away one time, so it's okay. Yeah, that was kind of a them thing, though. But uh, mm-hmm. it's all right. It happens. So, I mean. So we're on the road right now. We are passing a, is that a Winnebago? A sure enough Winnebago with a lift on it. Lift on it and leaning up towards the front. That's wild. I think I think Rolling Thunder needs one of those guys. Nope. Pull that thing behind nope. Betty. Nope. Nope. You you didn't know me in those days, but Rolling Thunder did have an RV. Well, that was back in the Little Reno days, right? No, pre Little Reno days. Pre Little Reno. Yeah, I had a I had a FEMA trailer post Katrina <laughs> that I had a uh, big big they call them a, like a toolbar, like a four by four yeah, yeah square tubing welded on the back to the frame, and I had a trailer hitch ball, and I'd pull tandem to Arkansas. It was a like a 37-foot FEMA trailer, standard issue, you know, white wall FEMA trailer with duck boat behind it. I've got multiple pictures of that in tandem. That's an unbelievable operation. I mean, are, are 37 you, are feet you, pulled. Hold on just hold a second. On. That's an unbelievable operation. Like, of all the things we've done together, this is now what you consider to be an unbelievable operation? Pretty much. Okay. That's a lot, that's a lot to pull. I can't imagine you, like, Stopping at the pilot here in West Memphis with that no, much. No longer than a semi-truck. Yeah, but it articulates in the middle. No, it articulates like in the back fourth. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. So it's like you need more space than he does yeah, to make a turn. For sure. Yeah. Um, it worked good. Golly. It just froze your nuts off. I mean, <laughs> RVs in wintertime don't not don't not, a, well not the, Yeah, yeah. They don't, they so. don't work well. All right, so some, you're some out point, on the Winnebago. At some point in time, I, I started realizing, or I don't know if it was age or wisdom or pocketbook, but I just realized that if I was going to stay somewhere, a hotel was better than <laughs> an RV. So I, I'm out on the I respect RV that. thing, man. I, I respect that. Now, if you want to buy a tour bus and and hire a driver <sighs> and you want me to sit in the Lazy Boy in the front right corner of it, I'm in. I mean, I, I'm in like Flynn. I, I've been on a few short road trips with Lee and Tiff that way uh, in their bus. A tour bus? Oh, yeah. Like like Gary LaVox, you know. Uh, <laughs> Gary LaVox. Yeah. Um, you know who I'm talking about. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you're talking like the God big God bless the broken road that yeah. led me back to you. Uh, what's that name? Rascal that? Flats. Rascal Flats. Yeah, thank yeah. you. Yeah, Gary's bus when they got a new bus, uh, Gary sold his bus to Lee and Tiff. And so that's how they travel. Um, I mean, they've got a queen-size bed in the back and six bunk beds and Dang. a couch, 
love seat and a and a like a it's a it's not a lazy boy, but it's a recliner in the front. I got gotcha. you. TV, satellite. Oh man, listen. We need to do not, a schoolie you've, conversion. You've not lived until you shot a limit of ducks in the public woods with Lee and Tiff, signed autographs at the ramp, <laughs> and then gotten in the in the bus and Just, driven an hour to go eat a steak dinner, drinking beer the whole way while you know while their driver. <laughs> Is driving. It's unbelievable. It's I can't like, even imagine that's that. That's living, son. Oh, it's kind of tough to blend when you do that, though. Don't you reckon? It's hard to blend with Tiffany Lukoski. I mean, anywhere. I mean, Fair. I mean, she's a she's an icon, man. People, and so is Lee. But you just wouldn't believe being around them how many people come out of the woodwork and want an autograph or want to. I mean, they're just starstruck. You know, I mean, they're just huh. kind of the. Of the last 25 years, I mean, they're 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 outdoor hunting, yep, celebrity royalty. I mean, yeah, you're not blending with 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 Tiff in Arkansas. <laughs> no, no, I believe it. I believe it. Um, but yeah, what How else? About that for a rabbit hole. Sorry. Something I something I want to talk about is we tried to do this, but I bailed on the on a different recording of it. Really want to talk about what's new. For 2021 for waterfowl yeah and why are we bringing Polly back yeah man well there's there's uh that's a two-part question two-part so question i'm gonna answer the what's new first okay and then the poly part second okay uh man i am really excited about the product line for 21 fall of 21 um and and as a kind of a preface to that just want to say that one of the hardest things about you know there's a lot of fun things and a lot of hard things in the, in the call business but one of the hardest things is constantly reinventing yourself or your call line being creative knowing when it's time to pull something off the market and put something new in and and one of the reasons that's the hardest that one of the primary reasons that I find that to be so hard is that I don't sell calls that I don't personally believe in. Like, like they sound like the call that I would hunt with. I mean, hell, I still tune tons of them. Um, they're not, you don't just pick up a phone and call Shanghai and get a container of them to show up. I mean, these are calls that I'm intimately involved with, yeah. how they sound, how they're designed, how they're tuned, to the point that I, I do a lot of the tuning still. So, so, all right, so when you put all that together, like when I come out with a new call, it feels a little disingenuous for me 12 months later to be like, oh, hey, look at this new widget. It's better than last year's widget. When you do that like four or five years in a row, you just kind of feel like, you know, at some point in there, I'm smelling like a rat. Like, yeah, <laughs> you, yeah. Can't, you can't reinvent yourself every single year. You can't do something necessarily every single year that's better than the year before. Right, and so there's this there's this odd kind of roller coaster cycle in new product development where you you, you can't be groundbreaking every year, you can't be revolutionary every year. You try to make things better year over year, but I mean to this day, I, so we're we're in September of 21. I sold my first duck call in October of 10. Okay, that's cool. So, so we're eleven, call it eleven years in. Um, I, I mean, my favorite call in our entire lineup is still the original cut that I made then. 
We've we've made we've and molded do you still it have and that built call it. And still use it. Ugh. Um. No. I, I wish I could say I did. I. I know. And and I'll explain why in just a second. That's a rabbit trail. That's a good one. But that's a. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. So let me just say that the 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 way we have built the original cut down has changed over the years about three or four different times over 11 years primarily because you're you're constantly trying to figure out how to be more efficient and more consistent um, more efficient so that you have um, less labor or less not less labor like you're trying to drive costs down necessarily but less um, you don't want you don't want to have to invent the call every time you sit down to tune it. Yeah, you basically yeah. would like to tune them the same way because it's important that if you sell, if, you know, if you sell John Smith a call, it's important that when John Smith tells his buddy that he can get the exact same ex- call. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it, yeah. That, that's important, and and it's a simple thing, but it's really really important that if so, efficiency in in tuning and efficiency in how it's made all kind of revolves around consistency. So. So we've changed how we build them. Is, is kind of my point. I got you. Um, and but but after all this time, where, where I was going with all this, after all this time, I still feel like the first one we made was like like I was happy with that. You know, and the only reason that I've had to create more products is because that's what everybody demands. Like sure. that's what the stores demand. That's what the customers demand. I mean, if you go to a trade show and you work a trade show, they'll walk up to your booth and go, What's "What you new? got? That's yeah. new." Yeah. You know, and it's like. I mean, they're still, like, in my heart, I'm still the guy that, that went to a trade show, Stuttgart, Arkansas, with one duck call. It was like, it's this one. Like, you should buy this. The Henry um, Ford. You, know, you can have any fact, color you, you want. Should buy, yeah, you should buy two of them. <laughs> you know? Like, you should. Like, one for 42 for 75 you know? Exactly. Like, like, uh, I, so, so, so that's been hard. Is is kind yeah. of where I was going with all that. Well, we talked about it. I guess it was last year on the the thousand pound gobbler mm-hmm. episode. But you talked about there's only so much you can do, and I, yeah, I can make it in red. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, mm-hmm. um, but when you can actually come out with a new that's right new so, call, yeah. that's pretty exciting. Yeah, and so you can, you know, where you where that shakes out in your mind and in your heart is. You can make things that sound different. Yeah. It's just that, you know, you got to be genuine about whether it's better or not than something else. That's beauty's mm-hmm. in the eye of the beholder, you know. And so if it fits you better than, than something else, then, yeah, it's a better call for you. If it uh, sounds better, if it's a, you know, the, the tonal range that you're looking for, if that pleases your ear more than another call then yeah. then great that, or works that makes for it your better ear right. or whatever it is yeah so so i quit trying to like necessarily revolutionize the previous year's product and more tried to think about okay how can i offer something that sounds a little different fits a slightly different group of people and uh and so that's what the brute r is it's a taller deck height on the brute which gives it a little more rattle and rasp on the top end of the call. My calls, I blow a, a, a call that has a flatter tone board better than I blow a call with a tall tone board. Okay. Uh, deck height is what we're talking about. Yeah. And and that's just a personal preference. That's a um, – some, some guys are exactly the opposite of that. In fact, probably most callers – blow a tall deck height better than they blow a flat deck height Hmm. and and i can't really explain the whys behind that i just can 
express that I've observed that listening to people blow a duck call. So a flatter deck height has a great bottom end, but on the top, it tends to be a little bit thin and, and have less rasp. And when I say on okay. the top, I'm talking about the really loud breaking notes, like what we would call a hell call in a con- in Main Street contest, but in, in cut down, they call them breaking licks or um, it's your it's the really top end, highest, loudest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the beginning part of your sequences. Well, a taller deck height keeps that crunchy, rattly, raspy sound that everybody kind of wants in a cut down right now. Yep. Um, it's kind of that mondo-y sound um, that that the old that most cut down ults didn't have. Okay little history lesson most cut down ults were really clean on top and had a lot of loose rattle on the bottom but 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 the old tone board itself was a, is a very flat design and and so when you cut it you were adding some curve to the end of it hmm. but most of the d2 keyhole tone boards didn't have a big hump in the middle of it like you would see today on a mondo or on somebody you know or or even on the brood r like they don't have that really tall deck height that's a that is a recent last four or five years sort of evolution of the way the duck calls have gone and so we you know we listen to people and hear people's concerns and listen to people blow calls and and thought you know we need to do something slightly different. We need to add to the brute line. We're not taking the old brute away because it's badass. We're adding to it. We're giving it a different sound. We're helping it fit a different audience in the same way that when we added a 45 cut to our line, it's a it, it fits a different group of people than this, than like the original cut does. Yeah. And so the brute R is is actually probably our best sounding all around call we've ever built. Um, I, you know, I, I gave all that preface about not being groundbreaking and revolutionary, uh, but and this to is. say that, <laughs> I mean, this one, this one really kind of is. I mean, it's the most user-friendly cut down, and and I, I don't mean easy to blow. It is easy to blow, but it's got the right exhaust chamfer on it, and and um, the right deck height it just fits a really wide swath of people so a, a lot of different people can pick it up and blow it and make a great duck sound right out the gate and um i hunted with it all of last year love it um we i this would probably be the first call actually that we were done designing before last duck season so there are a handful of them that i was able to give to people and i made several tweaks throughout season i hunted with a clear one yeah i was gonna ask kind of about the progression of the design of it yeah so i just wanted to when you tune a duck call it's you know you can boom get it right right out the gate but in different environments it sounds different ways so in the call shop you got a lot of echo it sounds great you take it outside sometimes it sounds thin sometimes it sounds better outside sometimes it just sounds flat or sounds you know lacks volume lacks volume you think it's loud inside but then you get outside and you're like man it's not as loud as i thought so um hmm. I, you know in the in in years past i haven't always kind of like singing in the shower sometimes <laughs> like like you sound better in the shower <laughs> <laughs> i'm yeah. saying like you sing in the shower and you're like hey yeah. you got better <laughs> acoustics yeah, right yeah, yeah, i mean yeah, yeah. so you're you're hearing a more full sound sure and and, and the sound is kind of enveloping you and and it, you know so yes it it in many ways 
inside, you can hear the call really well, but it's hard to get a real true appreciation for what it's going to sound like exactly, out, yeah, exactly at a distance. So, and once it starts to echo in the woods, yeah, so and, yeah. so with this one, I really wanted to get it right. I wanted to be happy with it, and so made made a pile of them, kind of passed them out to a few key friends, and and then ultimately, I just personally wanted to hunt with one for a while, um, for a couple of reasons. All my all my prototypes were clear, um, but I got you. The uh, I, I hunted with it all. I wanted to hunt with it all year because your your voice and your diaphragm, like you change over time, mm. and and um, if you're not practicing every day, like blowing up a hard routine and and going through the rigors, like actually exercising your uh, your your voice, you know, over, um, like in the off season per se. Yeah. You, you lose some of the strength and endurance that you gain during season when you're, you know, when you're giving it hell for an hour every morning. And yeah. so, um, during the off season, you, you, how you blow a call and how you tune a call is going to sound slightly different than how it is during hmm. the season. Yeah, no, that makes and so, sense. And so I, I've always made a habit of tuning calls and letting them sit and, and then coming back the next day and blowing them before I would ship them because how you feel, how tired you are, how much work you've done, you know, like your personal energy level has a lot to do with how that call sounds. And so I want to blow wow. it two different times. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and so if I, if I want to blow a customer's call two different times before I ship it out, I really want to blow – a call that I'm going to, a new call that I'm going to sell a whole bunch of times across a different range of places and environments Mm -hmm. and different energy levels and kind of like, I want to get more of a feel for it than just, yeah, that sounds great. And then be done. Does temperature when you're designing these things, just like temperature and humidity and moisture and everything, does that affect, like, do you have to take that into consideration? I, I have not, I have not. No, I don't, I I didn't know know, if it got got really, really cold. I didn't know if that would affect how loud it gets because the the de- like the density of the material or if it yeah. you know what I'm saying like acrylic's pretty stable yeah across all those environments and so more more than temperature and those sort of constraints I just think the physical how it affects your body uh-huh. is is more of a factor to how it sounds so for example you know when you're laying in a layout blind how you blow a duck call is different than when you're standing up next to a tree yep. and standing next to a tree is different than standing in a blind crouched over you know like like those are all different environments mm. your body's in a different position when your body's in a different position you're pushing air out different you know it's just like those are all the kind of things you want to you want to try you know yeah in, in, in those huh. ways so so um man that was an incredibly long explanation to no say I, th- I think it's really interesting i the design process is yeah, the Brood R had had a ton of of um, time and effort behind. Yeah, really field testing it and being happy with it. Yeah, because um, I guess I want to show too that it's not just something like you didn't just go in there, change a couple designs, and then yeah, just spit out it calls. Just appear. Like, That's right. This is a this is a year plus in the making. That's right. And one of the things we did too that that I'm really proud of is a lot of the cut downs, the ac- acrylic cut downs on the market right now. Um, have a, a lot of there's there's a a dozen of them okay that are CNC and acrylic cut downs similar to the way we build the brute uh-huh. 
and they've we've all started putting an o-ring on the insert because people love to hang a cut down from the lanyard groove on the mouthpiece and for years you know your your insert would fall out so we all added a, an o-ring well when you add an o-ring to an already really narrow rod mm-hmm. you know or cylinder and that cylinder has a center bore in it yeah. of a hole Creative. you're you're really creating a weak spot and so in in the in a, in a duck calls tone board all the air comes in through the front over the top of the tone board down through the tone channel and then under the cork tab so the cork tab that little that little um, it's like a slot um, where the cork goes right there is the point of the most re- constriction of air it's a single point of constriction but it's also the point at which the material is the thinnest yep it's right at point six i mean uh you know 6250 five eighths yeah okay and um so you got your at your thinnest spot we added a groove around it well that just takes your thinnest spot and makes, makes it, thinner. it thinner yeah but we all we all did that because you know we needed to we needed to fix people's inserts falling out nobody wants to have to go machine a, a new insert and then tell somebody that it's going to cost them 50 bucks Nobody wants to give away insert either. I mean, it's yeah. expensive. You know, it's not, they're not free. Sure. Um, they are free with us, by the way. We have lifetime guarantee, no holds barred. You you lose your call. You got the guts to ask for it. We'll replace your call. But but in the grand scheme of things, no call maker wants to have to replace parts. Sure, that's sure. what I was saying. They'd prefer to make something where it didn't fall yeah, out of the exactly. first place. So yeah. that's, where, that's where the O-ring groove came from. All right, so fast forward to this Brute R. We said, okay, not only how can we make a call that sounds better, let's think about how can we make a call that functions better. And so we started doing some digging and some looking, and I noticed that one of my favorite call makers, um, J.J. Lairs, puts their O-ring on the inside of the barrel. They put two small O-rings on the inside of the barrel, and that allows the 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 shaft, if you will, of the insert to maintain its size. Mm-hmm, so instead mm-hmm. of instead of putting the O-ring on the insert, they put the O-ring on the barrel. That way, the insert can still maintain. You don't, yeah, the integrity, size, yeah. Right? And I, and I, as I got to looking at that, thinking about that, that's the same reason that with the molded keyhole calls, we don't put um, threaded grooves. We don't have a screw in. If you if you make a screw in insert you are constricting the airflow because in order for there to be enough real estate for you to put those grooves in there, you're taking you're away, taking from, the away inner, from the inner channel. Yeah. Absolutely. And or you, you have to make from, the call really wide. It would be like. Yeah. And, and, and you just, you won't get away with that no. because two reasons. One, the reads won't work. Yep. I mean, you, you get the, you get them wide. And then the, the more you open that hole, the air, the more difficult it is to push air through it. And so, there's, a, there's, you know, the tolerance on that hole is really small, so, so you can't oversize that hole to accommodate the, the, the screw, the, the, the threads of the screws because yeah. nobody would be able to blow it. <laughs> Take a man you to blow it. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. I mean, and and even if you had somebody that could, yeah. most customers won't. Exactly. And so exactly. And so they'd pick it up and they'd go, golly, this has no back pressure in it. I mean, that's what that hole is like—the perfect. That's why everybody basically starts with a quarter-inch bore. I mean, it's, I got you. It's, it's just expected, you know. Um, so that that's why we don't put uh, 
threads and we don't have a screw in insert is because it makes the call too quiet. You can go to you can go to any cut down contest and listen to a guy listen to all the guys blow Mondo's and um, our call and Devin's call and you know Echo's call and all, all down the all down the list and then you listen to one that's being blown that's a threaded screw in and it'll sound like he's half the volume. Hmm. I mean it, it's mind blowing. It, it it so all that being said, sure. we wanted to get that O-ring off the insert and onto the barrel so that we could keep the the stability of the insert, number one, and number two, so we could actually make that hole a little bit bigger. And so we accomplished a couple things with the Brute R. We put the O-ring on the inside of the barrel, and it's a big, fat O-ring, so it's going to last a long time. It's going to, you know, it's going to endure nicks and abrasion better than a little bitty thin one. Yep. Um, and it's going to fit tight, and it's going to allow us to have a, that that little bit of meat that we would have used for an O-ring groove. We're going to not use all of it, but a little bit of it, we made the bore a little bit bigger. And so the Brute oh, R okay. is significantly okay. louder than the regular Brute. And that's it's a, a factor of just the barrel being barrel diameter being bigger. It's a factor of the exhaust. Exhaust being bigger. The, the, the okay. graduation of the exhaust, kind of like a, you know, like the end of a horn. You know, the bigger the, the bell is, the, the bigger the bell, and the 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 how the how the the opening graduates out from from narrow to you know big has a lot to do with the volume, the hmm. overall volume. Hmm. Um, but I like it. Yeah, it it's it's a great call. I'm, I'm well, very, it sounds very really good. I'm. I'm excited to actually hear people out in the woods mm-hmm. using it this year. Yeah. People have been sending us sound files, or we've been putting yeah. up some, so that's been. Yep, and we've got a bunch more we, we need to put out there. We've got a couple that we'll put out this week that are um, one particularly from Hunter Burris. Hunter's not a cut-down call guy. I mean, he's he's always blown. J-frame. Yep. Yeah. Double reads, um, a little more of a finesse caller, um, not a big power, you know, loud duck call uh, you know not a high octane kind of loud caller sure sure um he can blow loud that's just not really the way they hunt and and so we've got a cool sound file of him blowing the call and basically all we did to make it fit him was just we took a little teeny tiny bit off the back of the reed and um i mean he blew it really well which speaks to the versatility of it um that a guy who's not accustomed to blowing a big stiff cut down can just walk up and make it sound great and blow it yeah yeah uh, so well that's really cool i'm i'm encouraged to hear that and that sounds good all right you want to talk we, about poly yeah i want to talk about poly we've all done right. some things with that that's been fun i guess that's kind of and tell us for those who may be joining a little bit later yeah tell us about bsod and tell us kind of about sure about uh the betty test and all right so know. so when we first came out with a duck call, it was called the BSOD, and we only had one, and BSOD stood for Black Stick of Death. All right, and that was kind of in 05, 06, 07, 08, right through those years. The, the talk on – so back then, you didn't have Facebook groups. Yeah. That's pretty crazy to, like – talk about that like it's a long time ago i mean it doesn't feel like a long time ago everything was a web forum. 15 plus years yeah everything was a web forum yeah and the arkansas duck hunters forum 
um, on the ref. So there was one primary page called the Refuge Forums, and then it had individual pages for each state. So, I bet those forums were hot. Unbelievable. <laughs> I can't hot, even hot imagine. Like, I mean, that's like saying the surface of the sun was hot. I mean, I it mean, was nonstop. Gosh, all the chatter. and I mean, like, you know, there's all these chat rooms like Rebel Grove and all these uh, all these things about, like, speculation of who's going to do what and what players are we I getting. Promise you, I promise you I know 100 people from those forum days. Like, like you met them through the forum. And still – hang out with them and talk to them on a regular basis. That's incredible. Like long-term, I mean, it's bizarre. Um, that's how I met, you know, well, I'm not going to start dropping names. I was about to say, because then it'll be like. <laughs> that's a can of worms. Uh, yeah, we'll just go ahead. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Bring but, it on back. All right, so back so back then in the forum days, there was all this. The, the Okay, on the refuge page, yeah. the Arkansas flyaway page of the refuge forum was the hottest of the hot i mean everybody from around the world that or around the country for sure that wanted to be a part of the web forums would would spend their time on the arkansas page and there was one other forum like a whole another website called uh arkansas arkansashunting.net i think was what it was called and they had just two pages. It was like a deer page and a duck page. And their duck page was hot, too. And so everybody kind of bounced between those two. And and, and every like, and both like of them like had a... AOL Instant Messenger day. 100%. Like there was a huge group of people who were just... Who had the kind of job where they could sit at a computer and chime in. Yeah. Because we didn't have smartphones to Did you have, like, a apps. screen name? Was it, like, Duck Killer 27? Or Me? Was it, yeah. Yeah, of course I did. <laughs> That's awesome. Everybody did. That's I great. mean, that was what you, you – you didn't use your name. No, 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 at no. At all. Yeah. Um, now, you know, some people did, but most didn't. I was Stout Hal. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. And and I was Stout, stout Hal because, because my waiter size was a 10 Stout. Yeah. And short and chubby, you know. And, That's awesome. And, uh, anyways, um, so back then – there was all this sort of chatter. There, you got to imagine there were absolutely no cut downs commercially available. The Olt family gotcha. had closed it up. Yep. Dave Jackson was still making. Dave Jackson in um, from Peoria was um, that kind of their callmaker guy. Okay. okay. He 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 did most of the labor for the Olt family, and he. Um, when they closed it down, he tried to buy it, and they didn't want to sell it. So he went out on his own, did his own thing, and he basically utilized a lot of the designs that he'd learned from them. So his calls looked very similar to the Olds. Sure. He had a similar line of goose calls, and kind of, and he had some injection molded uh, keyhole duck calls that were a slightly different material. Blah blah blah. So Dave was making calls, but there was no. Dave wasn't making a call that was turned around backwards like an old. You know, I mean, he was making just duck calls. And um, so if you wanted a cut down, you had to go on eBay. You had to buy an old from somebody or get your granddaddy's old or whatever. You had to find an old, and then you had to find somebody that could cut it. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so in a world where nobody even went by their actual name, it was all screen names. Yeah. That the, the lore of these legendary duck killers – who blew this black call that was turned around backwards with no markings on it and hung kind of hung from 
upside down on their lanyard, and their lanyard only had one call and a compass on it. I mean, like, all of this culture sort of came out of the, primarily out of Biomedo, but out of the guiding days in the public woods, okay? Yeah. Because all those guys basically blew cut downs. I mean, Boo Mafus, Jim Ronquest, Kirk McCullough, Dennis Campbell, uh, I mean, the Sorrells family, the uh, Racy Wells, uh, Lester Caps. I mean, you can just go on and on and on for sure. these guys who literally made their whole living guiding in the woods, and they all used to cut down because it was the loudest, and they cut their own calls. So it was it was it was not really like a thing like it is now, like a style. It was more of a, um, it was more of like. If you if you got in the boat with a professional bass fisherman, he's got a box of like crankbaits. Let's just say that yeah. he got off the shelf, but they're going to have his hooks on them. Yeah. There's going to be some. There's he's going to twist modifications the, that he's made. He's going to he twist the, the eye on the front of it, the guide eye. Yeah. I mean, well, I've seen people like spray paint them and do different yeah. stuff and, and change and exactly. And like Blake Hall, Blake Hall gets a whole box full of of reels, uh, fishing reels. You know, he goes through, takes all the breaks out of them. Like, he, He's he doctors do those thing. up. Correct. Yeah. And so that's really all it was, was it was guys who were like, how can I get the loudest duck call? Yeah. And so they'd doctor on it, and they'd sand on it. And when I was a kid, I remember at Dave Dawson, our very best, my dad and my uncle's best friend was two guys, Gail Breckenridge and Franklin Williams. And and they blew what we would now call cut down um, – Haydale uh, DR85s. They would sand down the inside of the barrel so they could get the insert to go in there further, and then they would sand down the front of the tone board so that they could create a raspier call. Huh. And and when you do those two things, it made a raspier, louder call. But it was a DR85. It wasn't an ult. Yeah, I got you. <laughs> now, they, they also had an ult, but you have to realize there that 50s, 60s, 70s, basically, there were only about four duck calls on the shelf in any any hardware store. That's so cool. You know, well, Mr. The customization of that kind of stuff is so cool. Right. So Butch yeah. and Rick, Butch Richenbeck and Rick Dunn didn't start making, you know, $120 duck calls and selling them all over the place until the late 70s. So the kind of the duck call world, collector world and exotic, all these different you know, small-time, small-batch custom call makers and all these small-to-middle-time mass production, you know, CNC guys. None of that existed 15 years ago, much less wow. 40 years ago. You know, sure, I mean, it, sure. so, so, all right, so so you got cut-downs and, and kind of how they came to be. So on the forums, there was all this chatter from people who had connections to those guys, guys my age, you know, between – 35 and 50 who had hunted grown up hunting with those guys either as a client or hunted in the next hole because like when I was coming up we didn't hunt with with Gail and Franklin much as guides but we hunted in the woods around them and so you Mm -hmm. during those guiding days you knew what the guides holes were and you knew which ones were kind of like the public's holes does that make sense yeah so so it was like a you kind of just as an understanding, you like you knew. don't mess with that. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like when you – it's a little bit like going to a truck stop, you know. Like there's one side of the truck stop that's semi-trucks, and this side's like all the rest of the normal people. Yeah. And so, you, you like, you wouldn't pull a Toyota Corolla over to the truck stop side and pull in and block a 
pump, you know, you, you get your head handed to you. you for know? sure, for sure. But there's a camaraderie amongst the truck drivers, and there's a camaraderie amongst the, you know, the middle class families on this side. They don't really inter, <laughs> intersperse. You know, no, they don't talk you. to each other. That's why they give us uh, different doors. Yeah, yeah. So, so you had all these people that that were hunting around the guides. And they were observing what the guides were doing because you're learning from them, right? Yeah, you're learning from. If you're not right next to them, you can sure as heck hear them. You can hear them, and you see them at the boat ramp because these are public places now. Okay, so you see them at the boat ramp. You hear them in the next hole over. You see what they're what's hanging from their lanyard. You talk to people that are hunting with them because inevitably, you know, you come out of the woods and you're you know struggled that morning. You're kicking dirt clods, and they come out and they've got you know. 10 limits and everybody's grinning at the boat ramp and back then you'd, you know, you'd come out with your ducks on the front of your boat and you'd stop at the green sign and it'd have all your customers hold their ducks up and you'd, you'd make a spectacle out of we are at Biomeda we shot them on the blue line like you yeah, 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 yeah. it wasn't this secretive thing that it is now <laughs> so so there alright that is a long no, it's drawn great. out history to say that in those in like 05, 06, 07, 08, through those years when the forums were so hot, there was this cryptic conversation about cutdowns. It was always like there were a handful of nicknames, and now that I'm on the spot, I'm not going to think of all of them, but um, people would just refer to them as that black call, you know, or a, a old style cutdown. Sure. A, um, in fact, uh, I think Dave actually, Dave Jackson had a, or maybe it was the old family. When, one time when they came back, they, they actually had a model called OSCD, which was old-style cut-down. <laughs> and it meant, it meant it was a keyhole as yeah. opposed to a round hole. I got gotcha. you. Anyways. Um, so there were all these cryptic kind of, you know, nicknames for the call because nobody, nobody really knew what to call a cut-down old. It, I mean, and, and not everybody called it a, a, you know, people would say, well, it's just a cut down or it's an, it's an old cut down or it's a, you know, it's, it's one of them black calls has been doctored on or it's <laughs> been so, doctored on. So <laughs> one of the, one of the nicknames that was routinely given was, you know, that's the old black stick of death. Got it. So, all right. So fast forward into like early 2009, we started trying to figure out my best hunting buddy Wes Reed and I started figuring out how could we I was I had learned how to cut down an old yeah and I was cutting them for people so and you're talking like just in your shop you yeah had, we were hunting with them I yeah. mean we we had we were buying them and had I mean since like on eBay or oh yeah wherever you could find them I mean at that time you could go to a you could still get them and oh yeah at a, at a Sometimes you'd walk in a hardware store or a bait shop, and because the old family didn't close it down until I want to say like the mid to late nineties. Yeah. And so every now and then you'd walk in like a bait shop, and there'd be a dozen and be of some them random there. gas station yeah. too, bait shop in the corner. Yeah, like yeah, where yeah, they, yeah. you know, where they just had some inventory that they'd never sold and it was collecting dust, and you'd buy them. Um, but you could also buy them on eBay. I mean, you could buy them yeah. for fifty bucks, you know, or twenty bucks, or people didn't know what they had you could buy them off the forums the forums had classified pages so get them wherever you could estate um, sales and whatever absolutely you know and there's it's the probably the most prolific prolifically produced call is the d2 keyhole alt i mean there there's i i, I don't know there's probably hundreds of thousands of them out there in the world i mean they they sell wow. those things all over the world for for a long time i mean 1902 
was when Philip Sanford Olt first started making a uh, – Were those, like, molded calls or were those turned mm-hmm. calls? Mm-hmm. So, like, this is like old – It was ba- all molded. What was it? Was it made out of, like uh, – You know, you'll hear people say it was made out of Bakelite. I was going to ask, the, is it Bakelite? Term. Yeah. No, it's not. It's it's really the technical term is hard rubber. And, and people – Hmm. People use the term Bakelite for like a, a certain well, kind of a catch-all generation of them that yeah you could you could taste it and you could feel it like it, it I don't know it it had a an asbestos like a quality a bitter, to it yeah yeah if you taste your duck call you might need to put a different one on your lanyard <laughs> I don't know hey, yeah <laughs> so all right so I was that was a really long story to say where did we get the name BSOD well BSOD yeah. stood for Black Stick of Death I love it. And so we were trying to figure out how could we build a duck call mm-hmm. that looked just like the old, had the modifications in it, already had the tone board yeah. sanded, yeah. cut, and make it commercially available in a in a highly repli- uh, replicable um, molded keyhole duck call. There wasn't a keyhole available on the duck call market anywhere you know around. And uh, we thought the keyhole made a significant difference in the way it sounded and volume. And people were struggling to find somebody to cut them. And people kind of wanted them and were talking about them. And, um, and so we named it the BSOD because we wanted it to look just like an old, but we wanted it to be different enough that somebody would say, yeah, you know, that's a nod of the cap to the old, but it's definitely something different. And so yeah, we yeah. – we started with the shape of an old, and then we added those big gnarly letters that um, on got the tone referred. board when you pulled it out, right? No, the letters oh, it was were actually on the, on the barrel. The letters were on the barrel. That's and, right. And so the uh, the the people hated that. Like a lot of people didn't like the way that that looked. They called it the motorcycle grip. Um, <laughs> um, but it accomplished something for us that I learned a lot from. It it created a niche, and yeah. it created a, a an unmistakable recognition yeah yeah and i realized how important the shape of your duck call was your shape of your duck call is just like your signature like people can tell from a distance yeah yeah. from a distance people can tell what your duck call is just by the silhouette and so those raised letters really stood out it was unmistakable It, it was easy to tell the difference between that and an old on somebody's lanyard yeah in pictures and things like that and so uh, so, anyways, That's when cool. we when we launched, the there were several hurdles that the world had to getting a cut down in their hand at the time. Okay, and one of those hurdles was that a lot of people didn't know how to cut them, and so there were lots of butchered ones out there. People would buy one, they'd jack with it, and they'd give up, and then they'd sell it. Or they'd buy one, and then somebody else would cut it for them. That's what I mean. Cut it right, and then they'd be like, oh, I don't like how those sound. That's what I mean. Gotcha. Um, But then the other thing that people had going against them was they were really brittle. The barrels would crack. And if you dropped it, I mean, it'd break just in half. Like, it'd shatter like it was glass. Wow. And so you had a lot of people that were kind of loved the sound of them, but were semi against them because they didn't want to get it get their call cut and then drop it and mm-hmm. have their favorite call break and acrylic just is so much so much superior to that that durability so when we set out to build our injection mold back then 
one of the things we wanted to do is we wanted to build a barrel that was better than the Olds. Just it had the same sound qualities, mm-hmm. the same density, but it was significantly more durable. And so we found this injection molded uh, this polycarbonate in a um, in a form that that had these different character qualities. We actually took four generations of the Olds had them ground down into powder and had a chemist analyze the the qualities of it. How about that? And we made a list of what we considered to be the eight or ten best qualities and eight or ten worst qualities, Um, everything from sound to durability. And and then we paired that list with the chemical profiles that the chemist found in the four generations of Olds. And we, we were way too scientific about this. This was all Wes Reed. I don't think that's so, too scientific. That's so, that's awesome. So then, that's really cool. So once once we pulled out all the pros and cons, like the goods and bads, yeah. there are there's a whole industry of people who build custom plastics. Oh yeah. And 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 by custom plastics what I mean is they, they build a resin that can be melted and, and shot into an injection mold. Sure, sure, based so, on a set of specifications, right, yeah. Right, so the difference between the thin, cheap plastic that's on the wheel well of a Hot Wheels vehicle, that you buy, a Power Wheels vehicle that you buy for your kids mm-hmm. versus a piece of plastic that's like holding the, you know, the the, the blade on a on an aircraft carrier or something, you know, on the motor. Yeah, yeah, I mean, like, yeah. like. Like what it has to do has everything to do with how it's built. So, so we took all these goods and bads. We had them matched up with, um, but by a, a custom blended plastic. And we came out with this plastic that we thought was the most badass plastic that had ever been built in a duck call. It was literally a medical grade plastic. It was UV resistant. It did not change shape or melt until it reached 512 degrees. You could Jeez. autoclave it. Okay. It does not lose its color. Hold on. I don't know autoclave. Autoclave is a medical term. It's a box that they sanitize uh, like oh, scalpels and, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. and surgery utensils. So um, it's how they it, – it basically, it's like a really hot oven. Yeah, it's how they sanitize everything. I got gotcha. you. Correct. Um, in between surgeries. So you don't hear about autoclaves in human medicine anymore because we just chunk the – the utensils in veterinary medicine, we reuse not the scalpel blades, but we reuse scalpel holders and forceps and all the different sure. you know, suture uh, needles and things like that. You know, you, you use all that stuff over and over, and so you autoclave it to to clean it and sanitize it and um, get another use out of it. Yeah, we're really pissing somebody off in Little Rock right now. Hold that thought while we. All right, back to your regularly scheduled. That was pretty regularly scheduled programming call, right duck there. Call history <laughs> <That lesson. laughs> uh, I kept looking at the. It was like yeah. two miles, half mi- you know, one yeah. mile, half mile. I was I'm talking. Like, I, was I know, talking, but I'm, Rob. I'm like pointing at the thing, going like, <laughs> "You think we can merge without people knowing?" And the answer is no. <laughs> all right, okay, so, so, so all right, back, yeah, yeah, back to our. Yeah, so this just, plastic we had, <laughs> it was incredibly durable, sure, and and heat resistant and. I mean, dense. And so we built this. We took this plastic. We built this call, and, and we looked at these raised letters that we had on the side of it. And we were like, man, Wes, you know what would what would really move the needle for us? If we could put this on the ground 
and drive over it with a pickup truck, we could show the world how much better our barrels were yeah. than the old barrels. And yeah. so at the time, when like I did that dichotomy of like having the brittle yeah, barrel, yeah, just yeah, yeah. drop it and it breaks versus you drive over it with a pickup truck. And at the time, I thought I really genuinely believed we would sell more barrels than. Inserts. Oh, yeah. Or complete duck calls. Because they'd essentially, in that kind of like custom world of people buying parts to. Yeah. I thought that everybody would, um, in the world, would would love their old insert, but hate the fact that their barrel was split. Because, see, when you pulled it and turned it around and you stuck it in there, if you didn't carefully ream out the inside of the thin end of the barrel, you'd split it. And when you split it, then you're losing air. You got spit coming out. That's why you see so many of them that are duct taped or electrical taped. They're trying to seal them up. Hmm. Um, and so I just thought, man, if we just offered people a barrel for 25 bucks, that way they'd take their old Olt insert and stick it in there. I was totally wrong about that, by the way. <laughs> uh, basically, nobody bought those barrels as replacement barrels. I did sell about four dozen of them, a couple dozen to Max Prairie Wings, a couple dozen to Hawks, and uh, one other store in uh, – in Arkansas, and all of them shipped them back to me after duck season that first year in oh, spring no. of 2011. <laughs> it's okay. I sold many of the so many of the regular duck calls that they were glad that they were like, "Hey, yeah. can you put inserts in these for us? <laughs> <laughs> can you just? How about this? How about you just finish? Can the you call? make this a duck call? <laughs> right. So, uh, I was a visionary. Hilarious. I just was wrong about what would be the <laughs> successful yeah. thing. Uh, but. So, anyways, we, we had this barrel. We thought it was amazing. We were like, we're going to put this on the ground. We're going to drive over with a pickup truck. Yeah. And, and honest to God, we had no idea if it would work. No clue. And we also didn't have video cameras on our cell phones. Yep. So, we had a little handy cam that we'd bought from Walmart. Yeah. We bought it to yeah. market our company. You know, I mean, this was, this was how we were going to do it. Went and got a hoodie made. Okay. One hoodie. One hoodie. It was black. Do you we still had, have it? Oh, yeah. Uh, no, I don't. No, no, no. Uh, I've, I've got the video of it. I didn't know if it was going to Had the letters all down the sleeves. You know, you asked me that about the first, the first call. You know, in those early years, I wasn't thinking about this being successful. We were doing this because it was fun. Oh, yeah. And so I gave away. It's hard to remember to do those sorts of things, you know, because well, you just don't see it from that the, the problem, year. the problem was that I would go somewhere, like I'd go to buy meat and hunt, and at the boat ramp you'd be hanging around, talking to people, and yeah. somebody would want a call, or somebody would want a hat. Yeah, and you just and I would give them mine. That was like my calling card. Like there's literally dozens of people right now I could call. One of them texted me yesterday. That's I awesome. met him because he came up to me at a boat ramp, and he was with a buddy that I knew, and uh, and he said, man. Can I get one of them rolling thunder hats? And I handed him the hat off my head. And that's something going to work for the next three years until it was just stark white. That's awesome. No color on it. And uh, so I just did that. And I didn't think about it being like that that would matter to somebody. I just literally thought I, I, don't, I couldn't afford to have 50 extra calls in the back of my truck or, yeah, yeah. or two cases of hats, you know. Yeah. So, hell, if I had one, I'd give it to him, you know. So I have no idea where, any more where of those the first shirts call. Spins? Uh, no, <laughs> just no, the, <laughs> uh, That's really that's cool. I like that a lot. I do know where some of the first run calls are. That when we first purge the machine, of there's a there's a soft white um, material that um, let's pause for just a second. 
All right, we have resolved the squeaky noise in the Jeez. back. If you have, so <sighs> I, I didn't hear that for like the last 50, 60 miles. Apparently, Spence heard it. So if you, if for the folks at home, been driving me nuts. I thought we had like a, a herd of mice back there, like <laughs> chirping. So for the folks at home, if, if that if that irritated you, uh, sorry, so, sorry about your luck. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, I just didn't notice. You made it this far, you'll be all right. Yeah. <laughs> um, Anyway, so we were talking uh, running over the truck with the BSOD. Yeah. Well, I was no, talking no, not the running, early, no, the not early. running over the truck, running yeah. the call over with the BSOD. Yeah. I was saying the early calls, I have several of them where we had the prototype white soft material in the machine. We purged yeah. it. And so I have some that are like this milky black and white sort of a silver color where we were running the rest of the white material out so that we get straight black. I got you. And so that's about as early as I got, I, and and I don't remember what. Kind of got that kind of like marbly kind of yeah, look to it. Yeah, exactly. That's it's, awesome. It's just a it's a uh, I forget what they call it. It's like a prototype white. It's just really cheap, and so when you're building when you're testing parts, you you fill yeah. the machine up with that because yeah. it's cheaper than the high end stuff. I got you. All right, so uh, so we had this idea. We were like, if we could drive over the truck and show how durable it was, man, we'll sell a million of these barrels. You know. So we did. We got a got a hoodie printed up and got on my, went to my parents' house. They had a big concrete driveway and laid it on the driveway and blew on the duck call before and run over it with the truck, picked it up and blew it. And we were like, holy crap. <laughs> it's just something about the run it over test. No matter what it is, it's always like, yes. We were so <laughs> proud of ourselves. You I mean, should be. Dude, we thought, like we, I mean, we were, you thought you were going to change the world. We were 30 years old. Yeah. I mean, we were grown men, had kids. Yeah. And we were like little kids jumping around watching that handy cam back, ran straight in the house, put, you know, at my parents' house. Yeah, yeah. Put, popped the SD card into my dad's computer, had to borrow a computer, you know, kind of like just extrapolate, upload to YouTube. Like, we've got to get this on the on the refuge forums. And, man, it went berserk, like I mean, straightway. And, That's and awesome. Just bam, 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 bam. We started selling them, and kind of the rest is history. But um, where where we're going with this truck test story is that over time, in je- so there's different ways to build a co- build duck calls, and plastic um, is the most common material. But acrylic is plastic, and so is polycarbonate. They're both plastic. Yeah, saying plastic is like this huge catch-all kind yeah, of deal. Yeah, and, 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 and it's not that one is better than another necessarily. It's more about the cost of manufacturing mm-hmm. that determines the price. Sure. So acrylic um, is pretty. It's easy to produce in batches for the manufacturer. Yeah. That have color combinations. It's a little more customizable. That's a different hand feel. Yeah, it it just it it it's slightly heavier. It has flake in it, kind of like a bass boat paint, Mm -hmm. Um, and it comes in every color. Polycarbonate comes in little pellets that get melted and shot into an injection mold, and so you don't have swirls and flakes and other things that kind of jazz it up in the coloration of it. it's just solid colors essentially yeah, yeah and it's a pretty small range of solid colors it's not like a box of 64 or 128 crayons it's like a box of six you know i mean it's I, yeah. it's pretty standard um 
it's a little more than six available colors, but it's it's not it's it's not it's, wild li- it's much more limited. It's very yeah. limited, yeah. Um, man, speak of the devil, Wes Reed just texted me. Looky there, I hadn't talked his to ears him were burning. In, I hadn't yeah. talked to him in a year and a half. Yesterday was his birthday, and I texted him, and he's texting me back. Um, anyway, so so over the years, the way we built our injection mold, I mean, we didn't have the money to go get a high end. Detail, very detailed, very accurate injection mold built. This is a whole other story for another day. But Wes was on the advisory council for Christian Brothers University in Memphis. Mm-hmm. And a wealthy donor to the school gave the school an injection molding machine. And on the advisory council, they decided that they were going to entertain a few projects and accept payment for those projects to help fund that department, yeah, the, the engineering department at CBU. And so we did some homework, and Wes was kind of in the plastics business, roughly. He was a designer for Wright Medical at the time. And, um, and so he knew enough people and enough about how stuff got made to ask the right questions and get connected to the right people. Sure. And Wes said, man, if we could get CBU to mold these things, we'd be in the catbird seat. And I was like, great, let's do it. And I didn't know anything about how any of that stuff was made. So bottom line is our first mold was a very rough homemade mold built by a guy named Paul Shea, who was a little Chinese guy, barely spoke English, and didn't Good. know the first thing about a duck call. But hmm. we taught he was the chairman of the he was the faculty chair of that department. And and Wes talked him he was one of Wes's professors. Wes talked him into um trying we we used their mill to build the mold so we we with dr shea we youtubed how the molds go together like how literally how they close yeah how they fit together how the coolant goes through them and we built it dr shea built it i mean we we helped him but we literally researched it and built it we built it out of aluminum most injection molds are built out of stainless steel they're hardened so they can endure the heat. Yeah. So aluminum doesn't do good with heat, you know, mm. over time. So the mold was kind of sloppy, and then over time it wasn't designed for, you know, th- running thousands and thousands of parts because aluminum just, it starts to warp and it, you know, scars and it, all these things. So a- after the initial kind of launch, we realized we had something good on our hands and we had to start figuring out, how to make it better because we had lots of little issues with our first parts. I mean, when they came out of the mold, they had this, uh, they call it a gate in the, in the plastics business, but it's basically like a, like a stub or a, um, yeah, where the, where the plastic has to go, gets injected look like through, a, right? Look like a little teat. I mean, I don't know how to say it any better than that, but it's where the plastics come into the mold. Well, when you open the mold, it's left like this big T-looking thing. And so you twist it and pull it off, but then it, it didn't leave a clean, flush spot. It left a bump I that gotcha. was sharp. And and so you had to trim that off, and then the mouthpiece was not rounded. And so we had while we had an injection mold, we were spitting out parts that required someone to sit at a lathe and sand every mouthpiece oh, and man. trim every barrel where the gate came in and then trim the other end of the barrel. And so there was 
we had a guy, um, a Hispanic guy that Wes knew through a uh, English as a second language yeah. ministry. His name was Jose, and we bought Jose one of those no way. one of those buildings off the Home Depot lot. Yep, literally the Home Depot at at, at uh, or the the Lowe's at Perkins and Summer. Put it at Wes's house and bought Jose a little uh, used windy unit. Put it in there, and he'd sit there all day in sand barrels. Oh my and, goodness! And we did that for three years. Okay, and uh, two and a half for sure. Um, so, so all that being said, after, after there was so much labor involved in that, and it was so the mold was messy. Once we kind of got past the initial launch, the market started to change. Like, like Rich and Tone came to the table with the Mondo. And other people started talking about there was another company called the Biometer Regulator. There were other huh. cut downs that started coming into the market. And we realized to keep up, we couldn't be putting out this rough product that had a rough mouthpiece and required us to have Jose sit there and sand it with three different variations of sandpaper and slick it up. Like, it just wasn't going to work. We had to step our game up. And so we started doing some research. And what we found was that Goose Call. Um, goose call makers molded their guts, the, the little trough and the wedge, in a cold silicone mold. Okay. So I reached out to the only goose call guy that I know, Mike Stelsner, and I started asking him about it. And he was like, dude, he was like, yeah, you definitely need to be molding your calls um, in this cold silicone mold. And I was like, really? Okay. And so Mike molded some parts for me. But I got in touch with another guy that Mike knew that molded some cold-molded silicone duck calls. It was just a – it was an expensive way to mold them, but it was uh, per part. But it was very low cost to build the mold. Like it cost you. 50 bucks to build the silicone mold yeah. versus, versus $20,000 to build a stainless steel injection mold. Golly. And then the best thing about it was that once it came out of that mold, man, it was dead nuts on. Like, it, you could put your fingerprint in that mold, that silicone mold. And it would show up. Yeah. So, so I'd, get a part, I'd get a part tuned exactly like I wanted it. I'd laser grave it like I wanted it. And then they would mold it. And all of a sudden, I had a finished part. It cost me more per part than what I was paying to CBU, but there was almost no tuning. And, man, those first calls, those first motorcycle grip calls, that material was so stinking hard. You couldn't – I mean, I sanded a lot of those with a Dremel tool. It was so – it was like – it was literally like – It was almost too hard. It, oh, it was way too hard. It was like tuning aluminum. I mean, it was like, <laughs> oh, what am I doing here? You know, I mean um, – Sanded it with a Dremel. You'd melt it before you, you know, accomplished anything kind of thing. It, it, My it goodness. It was frustrating. But it had a great sound. So – Man, this has been a long story. No, it's, I think it's incredible. We do have a – we did miss a turn back there. No way. Yeah, we did. Did we really? Yeah. We were eight minutes out, and, and I was – Oh. Yeah, now we're 20 minutes out. Hmm. Never good when you're going down the road and you got two blue lines going the yeah. opposite directions. Yeah, like, you're like, wait a minute. Wait we a messed minute. up somewhere. Um. We'll fix that. Yeah. So all that being said, we so then we started cold molding with a silicone mold, and we mm-hmm. did that. We basically did that for the next five or six years, and we got better at that. And um, the negative to that cold silicone mold is heat 
and pressure accomplish two things, density yep. and tensile strength and long-term durability. And so those, while those cold-molded, silicone-molded calls were really accurate, we didn't have a lot of tuning to do with them right out of the mold, and they were real pretty. They had a nice polish on them. What we lacked was they were soft, like you could break them pretty easily. Dang. Um, which, I mean, it's not a huge deal because we're willing to replace it, but you just don't want to have to replace somebody's call, you know? Yeah. So, I guess two years ago when we started talking about what's 21, you know, fall of 21 going to look like, one of the things we've been had on our list was we wanted to go back and build some new injection molds with modern technology, molds that were dead nuts on, molds that we could build reed um, cutters to cut the perfect reeds for them, you know, and really kind of dial that in. Because as we've grown, one of the things we've been able to accomplish is while there's lots of different small cut-down call makers out there, we're pretty much the only one other than a Mondo that sells to the big box stores, to Cabela's and Bass Pro. And we're the only one in that $50 price range. And so we were able to go to a Bass Pro and a Cabela's with these new injection molds and say, okay, we're going to reduce your cost and we're going to reduce the MSRP, but we're going to increase the quality of the call that we're able to offer you. And Sounds so, like a deal. Yeah, it's yeah. a no-brainer. Um, it's good for them. It's good for their customer. And so this fall, what you will see in Bass Pro and Cabela's across the whole country is three um, – Keyhole injection molded calls from Rolling Thunder, the original, the 45, and then the two-stroke. Um, and they'll be cheaper than they were last year. Mm-hmm. Instead of being $49.99, they're now $44.99. So there's a $5 savings. They are a much denser, harder, dead nuts on injection molded call than our previous cold molded stuff. Um, and, th- and, that, and that density in, in, that you get from an injection molded has everything to do, in my opinion, with sound quality. Yeah, we were How talking hard about the that. material is. Uh, that's why African blackwood and cocobola tend to be more popular than oak or, you know, pine. If you you kind of chuckled in a, a little bit. Wood, you, have you tried to turn pump. one with oak before? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it, it works fine. It just it doesn't have the – I mean, an oak is a, is a nice tree. It's yeah. nice wood. But it doesn't have the density of gotcha. the wood, which density of the material has everything to do with the resonance yep. of the sound. How those sound waves carry through. Right. The and so oak makes great furniture and great building material. It just doesn't make a great instruments. Like you don't see violins built out of oak or hmm. or the neck on a guitar out of an oak, but you do out of ebony and ipe and and mahogany and, and African blackwood because those yeah. are those are woods that are built. God built them in places that are hot, oily, you know, heat, pressure, same things that make an injection molded call durable huh. and awesome. The same environments, physical environments and their geography make, make them durable. Um, so we thought that was a win. I mean, that was a big win for us. And, and sure. so, so here a couple of weeks ago, we, uh, we did a shoot. It's been guess it's been a month and a half ago now. Something we, along those lines, we did a yeah. Little, uh, Homage to we, the... Yeah, since we knew that the that Black Betty was going off into retirement and there was a new Black Betty on the way, we, we 
I guess, gave this one, what do they call it, a, a Viking burial. Uh, <laughs> it's pretty much it. Uh, we, we ran over the injection-molded calls, and, man, they did great. And we, we also ran over one of the silicone-molded barrels just to show the difference of durability between the two. Yeah. And, and really yeah. not durability, really density. Yeah, the point is not to demonstrate that you can drive over the truck or drive over it with the truck. The point is to demonstrate the density and how right. that's going to ref- uh, right. how that's going to translate into good tonal qualities that's right. and that's right. durability of the call, which is and it's just awesome. Right, it's never and not cool to run over something yeah, and be like, yeah, sure. <laughs> it's like, it's like the ultimate sure. man test. That's exactly. <laughs> can right. you run over it with the truck? Yeah, that's exactly right. So, so well, so, that's good so, stuff. You know, to your initial point. Two hours ago, <laughs> we were bringing Polly back, man. I mean, Rick Dunn made Polly a big deal and uh, has no telling, made blue millions on selling polycarbonate inserts. Yeah. And, uh, and over the years, polycarb calls have just kind of, they're sort of like the, I don't know, they're like the vanilla ice cream of, mm-hmm. of ice cream. Like they get forgotten about. But they're good. But, man, they're good. Yeah, and, and personally, right. I think a polycarbonate call sounds as good or better than acrylic call. Yeah. And what they definitely are is they're far more consistent. The ability of a of a high-end injection mold to spit out the exact same part 100,000 times is way um, higher yeah. than, than a CNC lay. Well, there's way fewer mill. variables. I mean, we've right. talked about it before where depending on where the bit is – Right. On that tool and, and it's the cycle. temperature of the bit and the yeah. the and and then just the density of the rod. You don't think about it, but acrylic rod is made by a human. It's it's an extruded yeah. rod, and those rods have a, a acceptable lariat. They have acceptable levels of variance between them. Yeah. But they're not the same. Yeah. You, an ivory rod turns different than an orange pearl. Yeah, I've been in there when Aaron's been turning it. And, and he's and cussing that machine because it, it fluctuates yeah. based on the color of the material. That's right. You put on a different rod, and it just you can hear it cutting different. Mm-hmm. So so there's there's uh, point is that injection molded call really, really goes back to two things. It gives you the density of the material, mm-hmm. and it gives you the consistency that every call maker is looking for. Yeah. Um, and so. Well, and also, too, that, that price point availability to, yeah. to everybody everybody can afford a 45 dollar duck call yeah that's you know right. and, and, and it's okay with me if you buy one of everybody's just buy two of mine <laughs> <laughs> nah man it, it's a big world dude i it, yeah i get it it's it's okay i mean it's uh you can have you can have two favorite duck calls you can have ten favorite duck calls. I don't care. Cutting, I, I just think I'm cutting if, all this. No, out no, anyway. you're not. You're leaving this in there. <laughs> I, I I just remember at one point you had said, you know, in in one of the episodes, we kind of talked about that where it's, yeah, you know, the duck call world is small and it is, and and it's you know when you've made your livelihood and put all your eggs in that basket, it's not much fun to see somebody else blowing another brand duck call, but you know it's a big world out there. It's a big and, world, and. Uh, you know what goes around comes around. My good Lord's taken great care of me and my family, and I'm grateful. And I mean, it, my feelings aren't hurt if somebody blows a different brand of duck call. I I think it's wonderful. Um, it's it's fun to see other people living on the American dream in the duck yeah. call business. I know how good it's been for me, and I hope it's that good for other folks in the yeah. duck call business too. Um, 
you know, I, if a, if you're a duck call maker and you're listening to this, I would appreciate it if you would build your own thing. Don't don't <laughs> copy some, what somebody else did sure. just because it's easy. Yeah. Uh, and silicone molds have made that very easy. They've made the barrier to entry almost non-existent. Yeah. It's just a matter of having the right telephone number. And there's yeah. a handful of brands that that's how they got their start. I mean, they just took somebody's part and they and they just from you know they just made a phone call and yep. got a cast mold of it and then took it and got it laser engraved. And next thing you know, they're they're in business. Well, um, there's something you got to respect about a, a guy, even even if you're making the silicone injected, or even if they're doing the injected calls, or even they're doing something else like that. Like you and some of these other guys can actually walk, get out there. And you can you can still turn a call bigger than heck. You can still make your, you know. Yeah, I can definitely mess one up bigger than heck. I can tell you that. <laughs> I'm not I'm not art I'm not a a very artsy, uh, creative, crafty guy like a Josh Raggio or a yeah. Um, and there's a there's a bunch of them. But out the there, discipline right? of still being able to be a call maker yeah, there, instead there's of a, a call producer that's that right. matters. You're, you're, you're pushing some buttons here trying to get me to dive into <laughs> No, we only have nine box, minutes before we're getting where we're going, but I just – No, what you're saying is very true. I do think that there's a – there are a lot of people selling duck calls. There are not a lot of people that are making duck calls. Mm-hmm. And there's a big difference between selling duck calls and making duck calls. And, um, you know, I, I think that there's – I, there's a part of me, there's a sentimental part of me that wishes that you had to know how to build a duck call from scratch. Like that's your barrier your for entry. Yeah. To yeah, that's yeah. your license to to get in the business. Your license. But it, it's not that way, and that's okay. I mean, it's it's sure. I haven't always been able to do that either. So I, I you know, I do feel like I earned my stripes and paid my dues learning how to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and, and frankly, that made me better at math at 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 production level calls because I know the tool, I know how the tool needs to go across the machine. And I, like I intuitively know because I've done it with my hands versus just picking up the telephone and calling somebody and saying, yeah. Hey, can we, can we get this? Whatever. Yeah. But anyways, so we'll, uh, we'll wrap it up there. All I have to say is if you got multiple duck calls on your lanyard, make sure one of them's a rolling thunder call. <laughs> That's right. And then also, next time you see Spence, ask him for his hat. He'll give it to you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not doing that anymore. I'm not doing that anymore. Shirt? I'm, you can I've give him a shirt a... off your back? Is that? <laughs> I did that once. Uh, but oh, good stuff. No, it, it, we got a big fall ahead of us, and yeah. appreciate you guys listening. And It's crazy how – I just constantly, constantly hear feedback about the podcast, and I don't feel like we're even doing a very good job with the podcast right now, Rob. And I mean, I hear last night at dinner, one of you know somebody that Lindy had lunch with was like talking about something that they'd heard on the Rolling Thunder podcast, and Lindy said to him, "Y'all people listen to that?" (laughs) (laughs) It is funny. Every every now and then something will happen, and somebody will say something about listening to it on the podcast, and that's fun. And but we're we're back to regularly scheduled programming. Yep. We're going to be putting it out weekly now, sometimes more. Yep. And so next week you can expect a uh, in the truck episode headed to No doubt. Canada. <laughs> oh, well, that was fun walk down memory lane and all the hardships and exploration and trial and error that went into building some duck calls. So appreciate everybody's support and yeah, go buy a duck call. Go Thank buy you. a duck call. We'll see ya. <laughs> we'll see you on the next one.